aliens really exist? Well, if like me, you're interested in knowing the answer, but have never seen a UFO, been abducted or been part of a secret government project, this is the place for you. Join me each week as I go on a quest to find the truth about little green men, debunking and exposing the fakes and frauds along the way. So let's see what we can find. There's plenty out there and some are amongst the many theories and opinions, the truth exists for those prepared to hear it. I'm Darren and this is the Alien Analysis Probecast. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of the Alien Analysis Probecast, an unscripted podcast where I analyse and probe the world of extraterrestrials. So last week I started off by discussing and giving praise to a channel on YouTube called Mystery History, and rightfully so, they do produce a lot of very good videos. However, this week they, well in my opinion, did the complete opposite. What they released was at best poor. The particular video I'm talking about was labelled something about meteors trying to return or leave the planet. And paid particular focus on the Russian meteor that, uh, I'm sure you've seen the videos, this meteor hitting Earth, I think it was around 2013. While the aforementioned meteor is currently on display in quite a, a flashy looking display case and uh, despite the fact that Mr. History tried to suggest that this meteor was tr levitating uh, and trying to leave the, the, the planet and in doing so lifted the display case go and watch it I know that's given them views but I, like I said I do like the channel but Watch, and watch very carefully as to what happens. Now, to describe the, the case, it's almost like a, a display table with a meteor sat on it, with some kind of glass dome over the top. And this glass dome is clearly on what you might call four pistons that lift this dome up. And all we're actually seeing in this video is dome lifting the meteor itself doesn't actually move and that's plain to see it's not like i'm i don't know how to describe this but it's not like i'm sitting here kind of giving my point of view you go and watch it it does not move as i said to my wife at the time this is clearly a case of some security guard has accidentally dumped his elbow on the button so, sorry Mystery History, I really like your channel, but on this particular case, you've got it very wrong. There are no meteors trying to leave planet Earth before some impending apocalypse. It's just some clumsy-ass security guard. But, in your defence, as I said last week, I do really like your channel, and I do really like a, a lot of the videos you produce. Just... This particular one's a bit shit. Now, something else that's... Well, another question that seems to be doing the rounds again is... Why do we see a huge number? Or should I say, why is it always America 
that seems to get the sightings, get the UFOs. And it doesn't matter how many times I and numerous others try explaining this, no one seems to listen. The reality is, is quite simple. They don't. Yes, they get more sightings, but they're a bloody great country, to be blunt with you. You know, I'm originally from the UK, and the UK is pretty much the same size as Florida, one of the 52 states. And just as a very quick flimsy calculation, if America's 52 times the size of the UK, then there will be 52 times more viewings or sightings. Does that make sense? I suppose another way of looking at it is, you know, are the number of viewings or sightings in America that big when you calculate it as a, I don't know, a, a sightings per square kilometer? I'm pretty sure if you did that calculation, America wouldn't seem like so much of a hotbed of UFO technology. But you see, there's other reasons behind it as well. And one of the key ones is that America has a very strong UFO community. You've just got to look at, uh, say, the CE5 communities out in the US. There's one in every state, if not two or three. You compare that to, say, the likes of Spain, where I live now. Well, there's only one here in southern Spain. That's it for, for the whole of a country, just a single CE5 community or group. So when you put these two together and you consider that America is such a large country with so much land and so many more people that can see things and you connect that with a strong network, you can understand why there are a substantially higher number of reported sightings. But you can go even further. You can add to that the fact that we all know how much America experiment with things. And we all know how these experiments, particularly experimental aircraft, have caused a high number of UFO sightings. So when people ask the question, why does it always seem to happen in the US? Why do the US have 10 times more sightings than any other country in the world? Well, in theory, they don't. There's just more space and basically a stronger community reporting what they see. So for anyone asking that question, I hope that that at least gives you the answer. But I'm sure it'll get asked again in another year's time. We'll see. Anyway, well, the main subject I want to talk about today is the numerous legends and folklores and tales of sort of fantasy creatures that we see throughout history. You just got to look at things like the Greeks, the Norse and the Romans and their mythologies or as we call them the mythologies. These are rich or full of stories of gods and mythical creatures and legendary heroes. But the one thing that's always interested me is they're so similar. You know, we're talking about civilizations separated by time and vast distances in a lot of cases. You know, the Norse are not right on the doorstep of the the Greeks, for example. Yet the similarities are shocking. 
My favourite example is if you look at the Greek god Ares. He is called the god of war and the son of Zeus. And Zeus was the, the king of the gods. Then you have the Romans and their god Mars. Again, god of all, son of Jupiter, who was the king of the gods. You got the Norse god Thor, god of war, son of Odin, who was king of the gods. Egyptian god Horus, again, god of war, son of Osiris, king of the gods. And that is shocking. That, to me, is quite incredible that we see these similarities. It's clearly, to me, the same character repeated through various mythologies. Or, let's be blunt, these are not just mythologies, these are religions. And people forget that. The, what you call Greek mythology, was actually the Greek religious belief. At the end of the day, I I know some of you out there may laugh at this, but this is not just made up facts. This is the reality. Yeah, I, I know, you know, centaurs, half horse, half man, are seen as fictional beasts. But to the Greeks... They were genuine, no different to your Christian angels or any other mythical beast within modern religions. And while we're on the subject to modern religions, if you want similarities, just look at Jesus. Jesus has a huge number of similarities to other figures within other religious belief systems. He was born to a virgin on the 25th of December, signalled by a star in the east, visited by three kings had 12 disciples, crucified, and was resurrected three days later. 500 years before him was Dionysus of Greece, born to a virgin on the 25th of December, died, and was resurrected. 900 years before Jesus, you get Krishna of India, again, born to a virgin, signalled by a star in the east, died, and was resurrected. 1200 years before, Attis of Greece and Mithra of Persia, both born to a virgin on the 25th of December, had 12 disciples, were crucified, and resurrected three days later. And then last, but sure as hell not least, 3000 years before Jesus, we have Horus of Egypt, who was also born to a virgin on the 25th of December. He was also signalled by a star in the east, visited by three kings and had 12 disciples. And just take a moment to think about this. These are numerous religious figures from various religions separated by thousands of years, yet all incredibly similar. So similar that I can't believe this is not the same person, or based on the same story. I mean, that's the question, isn't it? Is this a a story that's been told and manipulated over thousands of years by various religious systems and cultures? I've never hidden the fact that I believe today's modern religions, Christianity, etc., are just plagiarized copies of earlier religions 
Well, is this just another case of that? Have we taken the story of Horace and over thousands of years manipulated this story to suit the needs, to suit the the requirements of the new religion, the new system of control? Is Jesus just uh, a reimagining of Horace? You know, or just a genuine man who took on the persona? You know, because there's a surprise surprising number of i don't know individuals that have introduced the world to new religious systems and they all claim to be the voice of god or the the son of god and to make it believable i can see why someone like jesus or whoever was in charge or was ever trying to create this religion would use a previous story to Give them some kind of credibility. But you see, another option that I have to accept is, is Horace and Jesus and all these others literally the same person or entity? Just reincarnated? Well, that's highly possible. You know, I mean, reincarnation to me is a difficult one. I'm not convinced by it. But for want of a better way of putting it, I always leave it on the table because I don't know. I can't prove it either way. So, you know, as I always treat these type of things, if it's not a definite no, then I leave it as a possibility. Well, if it's a possibility, then I have to accept that Jesus could be the reincarnation of Horace. And so can all these others that just over thousands of years, the same individual has been reincarnated time and time again. But I must say that, again, in my usual fashion, I have issues with that because why create this elaborate story over and over again? I don't know how to explain it. If you're going to be, if you are a reincarnated individual, you'll just be reincarnated. But. I don't know, would we or do we, when we're reincarnated, really live the same system over and over again? Would the reincarnation of Horace always be born to a virgin on the 25th of December? Would they always be signalled by a star in the east, visited by three kings and have 12 disciples? I don't know. To me, it's just, it's a step too far. It's a thing that, seems more like a, an elaborate story created to give somebody some credence. Now, another great example of the, the similarities within religion is the various versions of the home of the gods and the afterlife. And you will see the same systems again repeated time and time again. Let's start with the Greeks again. You've got Zeus and the Greek gods that lived in Mount Olympus. This was a place in the clouds, only accessible by the gods, or by invite from the gods. And when you died, you went to the underworld, which was called Hades. And yes, Hades was also the the name of the god in charge there. Now, Hades is split into two layers. If you lived a good life, a worthy life, you would live an eternity of pleasure in Elysium. But if you had not, you would live an eternity of suffering in Tartarus. Odin and the Norse gods, well, they lived in Asgard, somewhere in the sky, and it was only accessible by the gods, or by invite from the gods. 
when you died, you would go to the region of the dead, which was called Hell. Hell was split into two areas. For those considered worthy, they would go to Valhalla where they would feast alongside Odin himself. Whereas those that were not worthy, well, they would face eternal torment in Nephilim. And it doesn't just stop there. I'm not going to bore you with all the various religions and their versions of heaven and hell. and or, I would just be going on for hours. But the reality is, is this system, this place of the gods in the sky and this reward or punishment system of heaven and hell is repeated time and time again. And my issue with this, and my issue with any system within religion that is a, a reward and punishment system is, it is just a simple system of control. Do as I say, do as the, the rules within this religion tell you, and you will receive a reward. Don't do as I say, and you will be punished. And this system, well, as you all know, it, it continues within modern religions. Christianity has heaven and hell. But you see, it's unseen. And I know they're going to turn around, and, uh, or religion's going to turn around and say, but this is the whole bloody point of it. It's, you know, you've got to have faith. You've got to believe in, in God, in his teachings. But the reward, the punishment is unseen. You only achieve this when you're dead, when you're unable to confirm its existence or call everybody a bunch of liars. But look, I mean, getting back onto the subject and getting to the point of why I find all this very interesting is there are so many stories, so many religious facts and events that are repeated time and time again across religions, mythologies, whatever you want to call them. And this happens so many times, and this is so prevalent throughout human history, that I can't believe it's not based on something real, something tangible. And getting straight to the point, I believe that something is aliens, is extraterrestrial visitors. And my reason for this is really quite simple. I've said it already. These religions, these cultures, civilizations are in a lot of cases separated by huge distances and time, you know, hundreds and thousands of years. So for them to have repeated the, the same stories told time and time again, to me, says it's coming from this one singular source. Something that is capable of having an influence on nearly every culture around the globe. You know, because you've got to remember, these same systems, these same characters, aren't just Greek, Norse, Roman, etc. These can be found, or characters very similar to these can be found in what we call Native Americans. I, I don't know what the politically correct term is, but you know, the original inhabitants of the United States. And they can also be found on the dead opposite side of the planet to the United States. Now, one of the explanations that science gives you is that because they, you know, these people worship the, the stars and the sun and the moon. 
And yes, I, I can see this, an element of explanation there. You know, the sun god Ra, I, I get it. But please explain to me how you come up with a centaur, a minotaur, from looking into the skies. There is nothing up there that looks anything likeable to me. And yeah, okay, alright, so there's some people that go on about the the constellations, you know. But God say, seriously, look at them. Look at these things. They're not exactly accurate representations to me it's not a case of they looked into the sky saw the stars and oh that looks like a ball so they create a god of it i think it's the other way around i think they already knew of or had an awareness of some of the things like centaurs etc and just looked for patterns in the stars that they could use to represent these things. Does that make sense? You know, I'm, I'm trying to say that they are looking for something they already know in the stars rather than seeing something in the stars that they then convert to a god on this planet. But look, I, I mean, the overriding thing here is is that although I can see some rationale for saying that nature and, and the universe provided these ancient civilizations with gods, with their religious systems. I don't actually think that answers the question fully. I think there must be another source, and as I say, I think that has to be extraterrestrial origin. Because it's the only thing that, to me, answers the question. The only thing that could have an influence across the entire planet. And I think this is strengthened by numerous artifacts, numerous things we see coming forward that potentially, and I use that word carefully, but potentially demonstrate our ancestors were being visited or were aware this planet was being visited by aliens. But the thing that's important is our ancestors didn't know what they were, you know, they didn't understand that these were beings from another planet. They came from the stars, came from the sky. This is why I believe we see all religions showing that the gods lived in the sky, lived in the stars. Because that's where we saw them coming from. And all we were doing was explaining what we didn't understand in the best way we could. Turning alien visitors into gods and creating elaborate stories around what we were witnessing. And I think it's important that I explain at least my thoughts on stories. You see, I'm a strong believer that all stories, both fact and fictional, do have elements of reality in them. You know, a a fictional story, I think, is always based on some reality. Even looking at, like, Harry Potter, for example... He's a a boy, he wears clothes, he walks in the stand. I don't know if he's making sense. He his world outside of the wizarding world of Hogwarts, whatever, is a fairly normal structure. It's based in the reality of the world. All J.K. Rowling has done is added uh, an element of fantasy on top of the real world to create the wizarding world of Harry Potter. 
And it's the same in non-fiction, factual stories. Quite often when you see a film, uh, say on Netflix or any service out there, that's based on real events, well that's the point, it's based on. And some elements have been created for our entertainment. I think the only time this doesn't happen, the only time we see text, literature that is not littered with, uh, you know, some fact and some fiction, is when it's done for educational or instructional purposes. Because those things don't need to entertain you. They're just there to teach you something. You know, you you get a, a user manual with your new mobile phone. It doesn't need to entertain you. It just needs to tell you how to use the bloody thing. But my point for telling you this, for, for explaining my theory regarding stories, is that just because a... A story of a a legendary beast, uh, let's say like the the Greek Minotaur, is littered with fictional elements. Doesn't mean it's not based on something real. Behind all the the elaborate story, behind all the the wonderful tales of adventures of Hercules or whatever, there will be an element of fact, an element of reality behind it. And as I've said a few times already today, uh, that element, I believe, is extraterrestrial in origin. So if we think about this, what you can end up doing is looking at any religious story and seeing if you can find some kind of reality behind it. You know, when we talk about gods with eternal life, well, maybe, unlike humans, an alien race, I don't know, lives for a thousand years. So when the the same alien visits someone's great-grandfather, their grandfather and their father, this race gets considered as immortal, as living forever. When aliens travel through the stars and land on this planet and we witness these individuals doing this, is that what becomes gods ascending to earth or angels ascending to earth? Did a a race of aliens visit this planet a few thousand years ago? A race that looked very similar to what we would call a bull, and hence created uh, the myths and legends regarding the Minotaurs. Well, like I say, I believe so. But it is very difficult for anyone to prove in any direction, to be honest with you, because, as I said, religion, or the newer religions as they come along, do mutate the message. And this mutation is done to suit their current needs. You know, you look at Norse mythology, for example. For a, a, a Norseman to be considered worthy of dining in Valhalla... You must die with a sword in your hand in battle. Well, it's strange that, you know, the religion of that particular culture, a culture who were very keen on conquering and ransacking as as many countries as possible, well, their religion rewarded those that would put a sword in their hand and fight for this cause. And the other important thing for any new religion coming through is you've got to get rid of the other ones. Just look at the Knights Templar. These warrior monks went round the planet trying to enforce Christianity as the one true religion. Because 
there can only be one set of rules. You know, if you're going to turn around and say to your people, do as I say and be rewarded with eternal happiness in heaven, the last thing you want is somebody turning around and saying, well, hold on, that bloke over there, the Muslim over there, he says follow his rules and I'll be rewarded. So you end up with this question of who's right? And if one is right, then the other is wrong or at least partially wrong. And partially wrong is a problem because it sows the seeds of doubt and doubt can be the death of a religion. So to succeed, the religion needs to basically fucking destroy the other ones and get rid of what came before it. Now as a a rather amusing side note, the Templars apparently shunned personal wealth, yet became some of the richest arseholes on this planet. And the Knights Templar, well, that organisation became the world's first international corporation with assets and businesses across most of this planet. But look, I mean, what I'm trying to get at here is religion has got a lot to answer for because it has, in my opinion, factually manipulated what's going on or manipulated the original information, the original facts to suit its requirements. And this manipulation has only served to distort and hide the origins, hide the fact that these incredible stories of incredible things that have happened are actually based on alien visitors. But you see, the thing is, is that when facts get distorted, it makes it very easy to discredit things, such as religion being based on alien visitors. When you look at, uh, say, Zeus returning to Olympus, it's seen as just part of a story from an ancient mythology. Yet the reality is it's a a tale told within a religion, no different to the tales of Jesus and God within modern Christianity. But by positioning ancient mythological stories as just that stories, you end up hiding or at least disguising the fact that it probably is based on something that really happened. You know, Zeus returning to Olympus may have just been aliens flying back off into space whatever it was it potentially happened it it still happened to try and explain it better just because the story told includes elements of, of fiction elements that we've added to help us understand what's going on doesn't mean it didn't happen just because we describe aliens flying into space as Zeus returning to Olympus doesn't mean the aliens didn't fly into space in the first place. But you see, this is the problem with words. They can be used to to mislead, and they're very open to interpretation. Just look at mythology as a word. You know, I've said mythologies were somebody else's religion at some point. Yeah, we now call them mythologies. And when a lot of people consider the word mythology or myth, they relate it to story, unreal, and sometimes even a lie. But if you trace the origins back, it goes back to the 1500s and comes from the Latin mythos, meaning legend, story, or tale. And the the logi at the end of mythology 
comes from the Latin logia, meaning to collect or gather. So the direct translated meaning of mythology is a collection of stories, which positions anything that's a mythology as just a collection of stories, something that's not real, a work of fiction, which leaves us in a position where the majority of people just dismiss these things as fiction, as stories, as somebody's vivid imagination. Now, the last thing I want to just cover on this subject is the number of animal-headed gods or animal-headed human hybrid things we see in every single mythology and religion throughout time. What I'm talking about here is the, the aforementioned minotaurs, the centaurs, you know, Horus. Now, the first thing to put to bed here is these are probably not native to this planet. You know, we don't see a minotaur walking down the street every day. Additionally, we've not, as far as I'm aware, found any remains, any skeletons or fossils showing these things once existed. Well, could it be fake? Could it all just be vivid imaginations? Or, or as some suggest, could it just be human beings dressing up as animals, wearing animal heads as helmets? Well, I've got two issues with this. Two issues that, to me, say this is not the case. The first one is, people aren't bloody thick. Or should I say, our ancestors weren't thick. We do tend to make them out to be backwards, idiots, stupid. But as I've said before, and I'll say it again, not knowing something doesn't make somebody stupid. Not having the knowledge of something doesn't mean they're not intelligent. And with that in mind, I don't think people would fall for it. You know, it's quite often made out the the general public of the time would be tricked into believing some guy walking around with an animal head was a god that they must obey. And I'm sorry, I can't see that. Like I said, they're not thick. Somebody would notice, somebody would see that it's just a guy wearing a fucking cow's head. The other thing I have an issue with is size. Because at the end of the day, some of these creatures we're seeing are small. Cat-headed individuals, bird-headed. These are not the sort of, for one of a better way, you know, creatures you're going to be able to hollow out their heads and wear them they're just vastly too small so no i can't i I can't accept that these animal-headed individuals that have been painted and depicted over the years are based on humans walking around with basically a cow's head carved out like a pumpkin i no, I, i can't go with it but one thing i can get behind is If you think very carefully, I've said it before, the universe is full of different species. Not just one, but potentially thousands, if not millions of species. And they may not necessarily look like us. We've evolved into what we are based on our planet. In the words of Darwin, you know, it's survival of the fittest, which doesn't actually relate to who goes down the gym the most. 
but is more about uh, the survival of the the best traits to carry a, a species forward, and that's how evolution happens. And yes, in case I haven't mentioned it before, I, I do believe in evolution. Well, as I said, we humans are what we are today because of evolution, because as a species, we've best suited or best adapted to the environment. Yet, if you consider another planet, and I'm not going to get into the technicals here, so if I'm getting the, the true science a little bit wrong here, please excuse me, but I, I think my theory, or the basis of my theory stands, is that if you consider a planet that, let's say, is hot, a lot hotter than the Earth, then potentially a species on that planet that's more suited, you know, such as... I don't know, a lizard, for example. Maybe the species that becomes dominant because it's the one that can evolve best to suit the requirements of that specific planet. And as we did, over years, these lizards evolved to walking on two legs, develop uh, opposable thumbs, which is the other thing we all say makes us dominant create language, culture, civilization, cities, on and on and on and on, until what you end up with is a, a basically a, a humanoid lizard. Then that humanoid lizard comes and visits this planet, and we humans do what we always tend to do, which is compare it to what we know. So this race of uh, alien lizards, you know, might not look exactly like a lizard, but because it's the closest thing we can reference to, that's what they become, lizard-headed humans. And the human body part of it, well, to me, again, that, that's quite simple to explain. Because at the end of the day, I think that comes down to interpretation. Unlike what pop culture would have you believe, aliens probably wouldn't visit Earth naked. And I know that's putting our human sensibilities on you know, other cultures, other alien or other extraterrestrial races. But I would imagine at best they would at least turn up with some form of protective clothing. You know, this planet's environment will be or will probably be somewhat different. So we humans witness alien beings with heads that look similar to a lizard in a suit. So we can't see their body. So we basically portray them as lizard-headed humans and over years this gets turned into a very rich mythology you know mythical beasts the mythical beasts we're all aware of we see in the movies when the reality is they are probably just alien visitors or potentially even going a step further they could be pets of aliens who, who knows but the reality is and the truth for me is that they have an alien origin. Now before I finish up this week, I also want to just take a moment to discuss uh, some recent NASA email releases. Now what I've seen so far is basically three PDFs that contain numerous emails uh, going to and from various NASA officials. Now as per normal, a, a lot of it is just a load of shit a complete load of fucking rubbish it's i don't know it just 
again, I've said it before, it just feels like a lot of padding. But the reason for bringing this up is that I remember, I think it was about page 125 on one of them, talks about drone tech and talks about varying governments around the world developing advanced drones. And I think they're called cluster drones as well. And these drones, this tech that's being developed is being in my opinion, subtly presented to us as a, an explanation for more recent UFO sightings, especially the triangular ones, which is really setting off my alarm bells because this, these type of release is in connection with the US Congress meeting that recently happened, are starting to feel very much like, for one of a better way of putting it, a fucking setup. It feels like uh, an attempt to lay the groundwork to basically debunk UFOs again, to provide some kind of explanation for them. You've got to understand that how this system works, how this system to debunk things and disprove facts works, is by separately providing you with the groundwork, the, the, the basic information that could prove something. You don't get told this is going to prove it to you. You just get given the, the, the snippets of information. You may or may not join the dots yourself. It's better for them if you do, because if you join the dots, uh, you've answered the question for yourself. UFOs don't exist. But once they've laid uh, some of the groundwork, provided us with enough dots, then they make a, an announcement or a presentation or provide a report or something that basically joins the dots for you and has you walking away thinking, yeah, you, you knew it was all rubbish. Well, the only fucking rubbish going on here is the manipulation being done to debunk situations. Because at the end of the day, they may be starting to try and provide uh, proof, evidence, or, or build up a, a situation that allows them to debunk all triangular UFOs. But so far, nothing I've seen answers the question completely. Because yes, I have to admit, some sightings of triangular UFOs and any UFOs could be drone or a drone cluster. But not all of them. See, my issue sits with basically size and sound. First up, sound. Let's talk about sound. If you've ever used a drone or seen a drone, they're not quiet. They're not remotely quiet. I myself owned a drone for about a year and a half. And being blunt, it wasn't the biggest one in the world. It was a DJI Air, I think. But it was noisy. You could really hear it from a right distance up and a distance away from you. In fact, I remember actually laughing, saying once, you know, I could hear it coming back. I couldn't see it yet. So for a set of drones to be responsible for a, a giant triangular UFO sighting, I would expect noise, a lot of noise, that telltale I don't know what you describe it as, but a telltale noise of drone blades spinning in the air. My other issue, again, it is size, because 
although some of these sightings, as I've criticised myself, are just lights, and therefore just lights could be multiple lights on multiple drones, there are some sightings out there that are solid. People see the lights are actually connected to a larger object. Well, in that case, they're not drones. Those particular sightings are not drones. I think what I should be saying, or the warning I should be giving everybody out there is, don't fall for the bullshit. Forget all this fucking black and white crap. There are areas of grey. Just because they can genuinely explain 99% of all sightings of triangular UFOs as drones doesn't mean that the other 1% is also bullshit. The other 1% could be genuine sightings. So don't ignore that 1%. Don't allow them to have you look the other direction. Keep looking. Keep investigating that final percent. But getting back onto the emails for a second, when these types of releases are are made, it always makes me laugh that when something is capable of debunking uh, UFOs, UAPs, whatever you want to call them, nothing gets blacked out. And I generally say absolutely nothing. Yet when it could provide us with potentially some evidence, and I'll explain potentially in a second, numerous lines, numerous words, entire sentences, and sometimes entire paragraphs get blacked out. And to explain the potential part about it is, I can't say if they would give us proof because they have blacked it out. You can't tell what the sentence is going to say. Now I get blacking out names, etc. I have no issue with that. You know, people's privacy is important to a certain extent. But to black out sentences and sentences that are clearly not related to specific individuals, quite often it's clear to make out that the sentences are just people's opinions on on UFOs, etc. It tells me that it's just about controlling the narrative, controlling the story again. And that always leads me to the same conclusion. If aliens don't exist, if extraterrestrial visitors do not exist, tell us. But when those in control feel the need to build a narrative, drop little bits of information here and there to kind of suggest there's a possible rational explanation, as they would put it, that tells me they're hiding something. And I know that makes me sound like a complete fucking conspiracy theorist, but I cannot say it enough. If you feel the need to manipulate the truth, you're lying. It's like these bloody salesmen doing these adverts at the moment on YouTube, these ones that talk to you or say they can teach you how to persuade people. Well, if you've got to persuade someone, then you're manipulating their train of thought and that's just fucking lying to them. At the end of the day, that doesn't make you a salesman, that makes you a con man. I'm sorry, but it does. And in the same way, if someone feels a need to alter, manipulate your opinion of something, it's because they're lying. And the only reason to lie to you is because they have something, or there's something they don't want you to know. And that leads on to the big question. 
What is it about alien visitors that frightens them so much, that causes them to lie to you and me, and makes them feel they have to do whatever it takes to stop us knowing the truth? But I think that's a question for another day. So on that subject, I'm going to call it an episode. I'd like to thank you for listening and please do hit that subscribe button for me. It really does help. And as always, I look forward to speaking to you next time. Until then, I'm Darren and this is the Alien Analysis Probecast. <laughs>